Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast here in Portsmouth with you on a Friday afternoon. You're supposed to gather yesterday for that. I apologize. A lot going on. And, uh, Time got away from the old man here. Um, long-time listeners of the program will enjoy this. I just stopped, ran quickly into the uh, IGA here, the local IGA out here near Granville, Ohio. And who did I see walking into the store to get, here's a six-pack of beer, starting his weekend a little early. My old uh, former colleague, Tom Reed. So Tom's having a, having the, <laughs> having fun. Uh, as as you would now working at Denison University, by the way, um, we got a lot to talk about, folks, and it's uh, that time of season. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, a little update here, uh, has not been traded. He remains in limbo at this hour. He will travel with the team on this two game road trip, Dallas and Arizona. Um, that's a little surprising to me. I, I I didn't think he would travel with the team. I, he is. He's leaving today with the team. They play the Stars tomorrow. They play Arizona on Sunday. Um, Blue Jackets have, I think, maybe the last three or four games played some of their best hockey of the season. Maybe their best hockey of the season. A rousing win last night. Three win, three one over Winnipeg to sweep the series season series against the Jets. Jonas um, Corposalo was fantastic. Had some. Really impressive performances in there, and and I wonder how you're feeling, Blue Jackets fans. Some of you I know are in full-on the Connor Bedard NHL draft lottery mode, and and as much as efforts like 
like last night are great. Maybe there's part of you that's wincing a bit. They got them out of the basement of the league. They're now uh, 31st in the league. Chicago is now one point behind them. Blackhawks with two more games to play than the Blue Jackets have remaining. So there's still much drama to be had on that end. Um, but it does not appear as, as a Gavrikov trade is imminent. Um, it sure feels like they've got something settled upon. I don't know why it's not uh, been pulled off yet. Something's going on behind the scenes to to make it possible. Um, but it's it sure looks like Gavrikov is going to be traded. It's just a matter of when. Um, I, and it's it's a little weird. We can talk about this too. That I've seen them sit players. Every team does it when they're out of it near the trade deadline. I don't remember it this far before a deadline. I mean, if Monday were the trade deadline, then all of this would would seem to make more sense. But Arizona has has sat uh, Jacob Chikrin. The Blue Jackets now two games without Gavrikov. We're still two weeks from the trade deadline. So this is asset protection, but it's it feels like it's getting to the extreme uh, for some of these teams. Anyways, Gavrikov remains in limbo. If you have a question, step to the queue and we will bring you in. Or you can post a, a comment or a message uh, in chat form here. Um, thanks for being with us. Again, apologies for yesterday. And we'll get to it here. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think the goaltending of late has been fantastic. Corpusala was wonderful last night. Elvis really, Elvis Merzlikens really has played as consistently, I don't want to overstate things, but as consistently good. I think he's been good lately. Um, maybe uh, maybe this is the way to say it. He, he has been more consistently okay of late than he has been at any point this season. So a little bit of progress there. Um, yeah, so I want to get your thoughts. Uh, feel free to weigh in here. Let's go to the uh, stage and we'll bring in Greg D. Greg D, you are on the front and nationwide podcast. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Party, are you there? Hello, Greg. Hey, how are you? Um, I've got two questions. One on the goaltending. Um, I, I think it was Wheeler put it out and on the prospect who still has Tarasov as a middling uh, top end, you know, backup goalie type future. So the yep. first question is there, where do you see, why is there, it seems like a, a big mix of opinion on, is Terrazov a future one? Is he a backup? Um, do you see, when does Merzlikens become a legitimate buyout candidate? My second question for you, and then I'll hang up, is um, future of podcasts at the Athletic it seems like on the baseball side, they're canceling the national podcast or canceling the local podcast and focusing on national. You see that happening on, on this side in the hockey world uh, at the uh, athletics. So thanks, Marty, for hanging up. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for the questions. I'll handle the last one first and, and handle it honestly. I don't know what the plans are. Um, it's not something I've inquired uh, upon ours has changed. If you've noticed this year, we've been doing, uh, I'm flying solo with the live rooms here Whereas before it was more of a classic podcast setup. I think some people prefer this. Some people may have preferred the previous. Um, I don't know where this is going. I'm, I'm glad to still do this. Um, but I, I don't, I don't pretend to know what their big, uh, arcing plans are, 
uh, for future podcasting, be it national or local. So unfortunately, I can't help you there. I can poke around and see. Um, and if, if there's something substantive I can pass along, I, I for sure will. Uh, as to the goalies, well, the Merzlikens, the idea of a buyout is that's quite a ways away, I would think. Maybe at least a couple of years away. If you buy them out now, for instance, you're looking at eight years of payments. Like that's just too big of a. I think you'd quicker trade him along with a really good pick to get out from underneath it if you felt that desperate to get out from underneath it. I don't think a buyout is reasonable at this juncture. Um, Tarasov. It, it's interesting. Goalies are re- super hard to predict, and and scouts from one guy to the next have differing opinions on a lot of these guys. I the Blue Jackets really like Tarasov. I do think there is some concern about his inability to stay healthy. This is a. I mean, I think he's played. I keep looking this number up because it seems hard to believe. I think he's played less than twenty games this year, in which what was supposed to be a major development year for him. He was hurt, obviously, last year. It ended with with hip surgery. He's been hurt two or three times this year. That's a concern uh, when you're playing as, as little as he's playing and, and getting hurt. So he's got to get beyond that. I don't know if that's a training issue, if that's a strength issue, if that's just bad luck. Um, but he's got to get beyond that, I think, before he really takes flight as a prospect. The other thing is, if, you're, if you've not been a believer in Tarasov, he really hasn't done much to dispel that notion because he hasn't played a lot i think he's been really good in some games if you're watching them closely like you and i have um, but if you're a, a scout that that drops in takes a look and moves along him playing less than 20 games in a year is not going to move the needle on what you think of him so and and also and this isn't any comment about scott wheeler or anybody else um it ultimately doesn't really matter what people think of him it's can he do the job or not and he's going to get an opportunity to do the job because next year he has to clear waivers to go back to Cleveland. That's not going to happen. They're not going to put him on waivers. He's going to be in the NHL next year. Now, they would love for the last two months of this season for him to stay healthy and him to play uh, many, many games for Cleveland and carry them into the playoffs and have a nice long run there. Uh, so far, this season has not gone that way, but it, it would be be really good for them if they if it would finish up that way. Um, so, yeah, I hope I touched on all your points and didn't forget any there. It's going to be weird here when they trade Corpusalo. And I've written a few times that people need to be prepared. Uh, the Blue Jackets are getting ready to trade their best goalie. That's just what it's come to. Elvis has four years left on his deal. Tarasov is out of waivers. Um, so or he's, out of, he's out of demotions without needing waivers. So. I mean, you can see who their goalies are next year. It's Merzlikens and a Tarasov barring trade. And I don't think there's a long line formed for acquiring Elvis Merzlikens in trade the way that he's played. So uh, Merzlikens, Tarasov next year and see where it goes. Let them battle for the for the top spot if, if they can stay healthy. Um, let's bring in Chad E. Uh, Chad, you are on the Front Nationwide podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, can you hear me? I got you now. Go ahead. All right, cool. Hey, how's it going, Porty? Thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, I, I had a question about uh, Tim Bernie. Um, for my right. calculation, uh, Bernie has jumped 
Christensen, Bjork, and Bayreuth are all on the depth chart since the beginning yeah. of the year. I know he's an RFA at the end of the year, um, but to me, he's a guy that seems like he's just grown in confidence, uh, looks comfortable out there. I'm curious if you have any sense of where the organization sees him in his future as an RFA. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, you can, without them telling you implicitly, they tell you by their actions and your read on him in the depth chart is pretty accurate, right? I think, honestly, there's been some disappointment that Christensen hasn't developed and stuck in the NHL um, at this point because that's a guy they were pretty high on last year. Bernie's passed him up. Um, and he's had that, that kind of year that there are some silver lining possibilities in a year like this, and he might be one of those guys ultimately. I think he's a 5'6". Um, but I, you know what? He had a hit last night, too. He's one of those guys that hits hits above his weight class a little bit. <laughs> so, does, so does Blankenberg. Uh, but Bernie seems to be kind of a, a, a guy for all, all elements of the game. I, I, I really like his – I'm not sure if he's – ever a second power play guy, but he seems to have pretty good puck acumen. Uh, I like the player. I think we've learned a lot about the player. I think there's been, there are foot speed issues with Bjork that you don't quite have with, with Bernie and Bernie may be one of those guys too. We, we see these for some reason, it's seems like you see it more with defensemen than you do others, but guys who are actually better suited for the NHL or, or they look better in the NHL than they do in the American hockey league. The consistent play of the NHL sort of allows them to thrive where sometimes the unpredictability of the AHL, they can get caught up in that it doesn't serve them well. But I think Bernie's one of those guys that that um, really likes the precision and the kind of the predictability of the NHL. And I think he's been a real eye-opener. I, he's definitely going to get qualified and they're going to keep him. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, he's... He's probably still a qualifying offer guy, so that shouldn't be a challenge to keep him. But maybe he gets a uh, maybe he gets a long term deal, or maybe they just do one year and they want to take a longer look at him. Uh, but I think he's a guy that that's shown he can stick around and be, you know, an NHL defenseman in a five six situation. I think if you're going into next year and and you want the Blue Jacks to be a competitive playoff team, I think you're probably looking at Bernie. As a six, seven, eight guy, but I'm not sure how realistic that realistic that is with all that they need to do on the back end. Um, but I think his career trajectory is that of a five, six, and I think he's a pretty looks like a pretty smooth operator. So, all right, thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the comment and the question. Let's go to some of the text questions we have. Um, first from Eric S. If you were a CBJ fan, hang on a second. <coughs> Excuse me. If you were a CBJ fan, how concerned would you be about Cole Sillinger's development or lack thereof? He has 0 3 3 in his last 34 games, hasn't scored a goal since Thanksgiving. Um, yes, he, so yeah, I get the gist of your question here. Um, I am. I guess concerned is the right word. I'm I'm not concerned about his career as a whole. I'm not. I still think he's going to be a hell of an NHL player. I think I am a little alarmed, honestly, that it that it's been such a struggle for him. Um, 
so last night we settled in to watch the Jets and the Blue Jackets. And I see a tweet from good friend Jeff Swoboda mentioning that Kevin Stenland is in the Jets lineup. And I go, wow, that's right. Kevin Stenland's side with the Jets. I wonder how many games he's played in Winnipeg. I look, my God, Kevin Stenland's played, I think last night was his 27th game with the Jets. And then I noticed he's got, he's got three goals. And I said, well, that's about right for Stenland, a fourth-line guy. And then it hits you. He's got more goals than Cole Sillinger does. Um, just yet another way to kind of per- put into perspective how difficult this season has been for Sillinger. We've had three major holidays since he scored. That's crazy. Um, I, I, I don't pretend to know hockey development, player development. I just feel it looks like it that maybe Cole Sillinger should have been with AHL Cleveland weeks ago. And here, I hope I don't go on a rant here, but this is a rant of mine. Um, we keep hearing that the reason Cole Sillinger, one of the reasons Cole Sillinger hasn't gone to AHL Cleveland is because there's not someone that can come up and from Cleveland and play center here, that they've had injuries in Cleveland. And they have. Justin Richards was hurt for a while. I believe Cameron Gaunts was out for a while, is out for a while. Um, anyways, my, my, my thought to that is, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can afford to lose sight in a season like this where hockey development has to be number one on the list. Number one on the list. Number one on the list. In other words, if Cole Sillinger needs to go to Cleveland for his development, if that's what is best for Cole Sillinger and his long-term development, then that's what happens. And you figure out any, everything else after the fact. All you care about is Cole Sillinger. You don't care about the fourth-line center position in Columbus. You can move Corrali up to three, figure out the fourth. But Cole Sillinger, his development in a year like this, second year in the NHL, is absolutely paramount. So I, I don't care if you have someone who can come up and play center from Cleveland. It'd be ideal. I, I'll grant you that. But put Corrali at three or, or keep him at four. Move Johnson to the middle where he played earlier in the season. His development must be taken into account too. And if you think that's a backslide for his development, then don't do that. But stick somebody in the middle. Put Roslovic on the fourth line. Uh, something. But if Cole Sillinger's development would be helped in any way by him going to Cleveland. That's concern number one. And everything else is is concern number two, at least. Um, and I, I just wonder if, if his development is not being done at disservice this year. I think he's been better of late. I think you can watch some of these games and say he's impacting games in ways that are not dependent upon him scoring, which is kind of the benchmark of his game. But he is not he is not the player that you have drafted him to be. And the sooner he can get back to that, the better. I, I think there's going to be a wave of guys to go to Cleveland. Watch around the NHL trade deadline when, when players have to be on the AHL roster. I believe it's the day of or the day after players have to be on the roster in Cleveland to be eligible for the playoffs. 
And so it's often a paper move at this time of the year, but you're going to see, I think you're going to see a collection of names go there. And I think they're going to try to fortify Cleveland for the, for the playoffs. First, Cleveland's got to get in. The injuries have affected them there as well. But the Cole Cylinder thing is, it does bear uh, watching. And it is a concern. I, I, again, I think he's going to be fine. Sophomore slumps happen. May look back on this someday and, and, and point to this as a season where he learned a lot about his, his game and how to get out of slumps and how to survive tough stretches. Um, you just hope he's not getting eaten alive by it and his confidence is waning too much. But anyways, um, thanks for the question there, Eric. Hope I, hope I hit on the points you wanted. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Ryan M says, do you think CBJ will be aggressive in free agency and trade this offseason? I think this can be a fast turnaround. Um, well, I think trades, I think they're going to be aggressive, yes. I think... So the, the first thing is the draft lottery. Where does it fall? Okay, so if they get the first or the second pick, Bedard or Fantilli, they're going to have an immediate impact player at center ice. So obviously that changes what they do in free agency. That changes what they need to do with, with trades. Um, if it's Carlson, if they end up with the third pick and it's Leo Carlson or um, Will Smith, which I, by the way, I do think you're going to start hearing more and more about Will Smith as a contender in the top three or four picks of this draft. I do. I think there's a lot of excitement about the player, U.S. national team player. Um, if they pick, if they're picking third or deeper, God forbid, and it's not someone who's likely to be an immediate help, but probably a 24, 25 help, then I, I think you're looking at. You're looking at centers, which are hard to come by. You're looking at defensemen. Uh, top fours are hard to come by. And, yeah, I think those two spots are, are a, need to be a major focal point. And I don't know if that is Line, Roslovic, others being put on the block or considered for trade. I don't know if that's peak at the trade deadline, being traded for a mid-round pick and some of those mid-round picks being flipped for teams that – that have too much at a certain position. I, but I do think Yarmouk Kekalainen wants to be aggressive this summer. They're not going to have that much cap space to go crazy with free agency. Uh, but I do, I do think, especially on defense, if Gavrikov leaves, they're going to be in the market for 
some players that can provide a bridge to their young guys. So those would be veteran defensemen. I think they've got room for one guy in a five, six year contract and probably another veteran player on a two, three year contract uh, to bridge that gap. Juracek's probably going to be here next year. We don't know about Matejchuk. Uh, we don't know about Kuhlemans. We, you know, we don't know, you know, where these, how soon these guys are going to get here. Uh, Svazel, is he ready next year? That would seem, uh, you know, strength and conditioning wise to be a big leap for him. Uh, but he's not too far away. He's got a lot going for him. Um, but they need a bridge to those guys. And if Gavrikov goes, I think you're looking at a team that has to be a player uh, in free agency at, at that position on defense. I think they're going to reshape the center ice position through the draft, or at least they hope to. Um, Eric S. says, this too from Eric S. It is Eric S. Uh, any under-the-radar names we might see traded before the, the deadline? When Avs writer seems to think Colorado is in on Boone Jenner. I think Colorado <laughs> I think Colorado wants Boone Jenner. I think several teams want Boone Jenner. Uh, playoff type guy, penalty killer, can take a face off. Um, playoff type guy, did I just say that? And really affordable contract. I'm not sure if Yarmo moves Boone Jenner. I think you're completely reshaping the, the dressing room and giving this a... Uh, giving this a rebuild feel rather than a restart feel. If you do that, maybe that's where it's going anyways. Uh, the name I keep hearing that surprises me a little is Andrew Peak as a, a cheap depth defenseman for some team. Um, so, I, you know, and I always, I always look at it this way too. Hey, if I'm a team that wants a goaltender, I'm trading a fourth round pick for Corpus Allo rather than multiple picks and prospects for Carol Vejmelka. Um, Corpus Allo, I think, is a very underrated goaltender. Imagine the season he's having right now is really, really impressive. A 909 save percentage doesn't jump off the page. But when you consider the NHL average is 901, and you consider what Corpus Allo's numbers look like versus every other goalie combined on this team this year, He's almost a 500 goalie, 9, 10, and 3 on a team that is really not a 500 team, way below 500. Um, that is, and I don't think he would cost much because everybody knows the situation in, in goal next year with Columbus. So I think you could get Corpus Allo, um relatively cheaply, fourth or fifth round pick even. And, and that's um, that would be in my mind, a, a great trade if you're a GM that wants a, a number two goalie or you're desperate for a starter in the playoffs because Corpus is on a roll right now. Um, Jonathan C., why does it take the whole first period before we start performing? Well, I mean, they have gotten off to some cruddy starts. I I, I think, listen, there's a major talent imbalance in, in uh, when you look at that game last night. And I think that's, that game last night was the case of of an undermanned team taking the other team's best shot. And that game could have easily been three, nothing after the first period. And I, as much as that is uplifting for the blue jackets, I think they took some energy from the five on three kills, three of them. I think Winnipeg and, and any team gets demoralized when you realize it's only one to nothing and it could easily be three to nothing. I thought the game against Toronto 
a few nights earlier, the first game Friday in Columbus was much the same way until the third period and it went the other way for Toronto. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, look at that back end. Look at the Columbus back end. You realize Eric Branson is playing more minutes for the Blue Jackets this season than he has in any season in his career. And you for sure realize that that is not, this is not how it was drawn up when he signed here. He was signed to be a five, six guy, probably a hard six guy with some, some penalty kill. And he's ended up having to play top four minutes. He might end up playing more shifts this season than any other defenseman in Columbus. Unbelievable. Um, so just, you know, the fact that they're still in it after a period and it's only one or nothing last night was kind of a minor miracle. Um, but it also gave them a chance to sort of fight their way back into it last night. Uh, Jeffrey F. says, does Corpy still have his military requirement this summer? To my knowledge, he does. It doesn't go away anymore. Uh, players used to be able to, to claim injury and get out of it. He deferred his for a year. So I kind of have a standing um, promise from Corpy, even if he's no longer a Blue Jacket, that I get a picture of him head-shaved, belly-crawling across the field for the finish army training. Um, my God, I'll share that picture if I get it. You better believe it. Um, Corpy's such a good dude. Um, we don't root for these guys. We're not supposed to root for these guys, but on a human level, he's one of those guys that's really easy, really easy to like. Um, Christopher L says, with the news of Bally Sports going under, any insight on what that means for fans to be able to view the Blue Jackets games? So I, every time I, <laughs> forgive me, but every time I read about this, story. I get more confused as to what it means. I've talked to people who work for Bally's and work for regional sports networks. And the, the one thing that they all assure is that even if one company doesn't own them anymore, the, the team still have a vested interest in their games being aired. So it's not like it's just going to go away and, and, and these games are not going to be on TV. The concern from the team's standpoint, and I think that's a bigger concern in the large markets where they make a ton of money off these RSNs than it is in the smaller markets, although they rely on that money too, is that the rights fees from those regional sports networks, which are offset by advertising, that those are going to go away if the team owns it. So they'll still be airing their own games, um, but the rights fees are gone. Now they'll get to keep the advertising, one presumes, uh, so maybe that's a that's a um, a trade off. But I don't know. I don't know where you'd watch them if you'd watch them online. I don't know how this would work exactly. Uh, but I keep getting assured that one way or the other, these games will be available for viewing. Um, so I wish I could be more. I wish I could explain it without further confusing. Um you guys as well, but I might even talk myself into circles with that. Uh, Greg D says, huge fan of this version of the podcast, much better than most guests, much, much better than the long form interview. Not quite as good as a race, Porty Reed, but what would be? Yeah. You know what? That's fair. I, I respect that. Nick L says, if the blue jackets got the number one pick and one of Chicago, Anaheim or San Jose got the number two pick, what would each of those teams need to offer CBJ in order to give up the number one? I mean, so the question is, what is the difference between two and one this year? 
would the Blue Jackets take to go from one to two? Answering this question is only going to further this. So, and I feel like the narrative is going to just go all the way up until the draft, and and then try to be reversed after. If this makes, if I'm if the words I'm saying right now make any sense, but a team that gets Adam Fantilli, the team that picks number two in this draft, should be absolutely delighted, not disappointed that you're not. Fantilli. He's a fantastic prospect. In other year, he would be the clear-cut number one. Before the World Juniors, there were people wondering if maybe Fantilli would be number one ahead of Bedard. Anyways, and then Bedard just goes and, and puts on the show of all shows at the World Junior uh, as a 17-year-old, an under-20 event. Lights that tournament up like he did and, and leaves no doubt as to who's going to go number one now. Um, Having said that, I, I can't imagine a team winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and then trading out of the pick, okay? I can't imagine anybody doing that. But if we're talking, if we're just talking make-believe here, you're probably talking a future number one pick and a rostered player at a premium position to go from one to two this year. I think that's what it would be. Connor Bedard is going to mean so much more to people than the position he plays and the game that he plays. We're talking marketing, uh, especially in a place like Columbus. We're talking instant, overnight, 10,000, 15,000, 50,000 sweaters sold. We're talking every little kid in Columbus wanting to be the next Connor Bedard, we're talking the face of a franchise, okay? That, that, that just, I think Fantilli gives you a number one center, but the hoopla that has been built up around Bedard is, is a Connor McDavid level, Austin Matthews level, uh, almost Sidney Crosby level fanaticism, and that extends way beyond the ice. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Andrew N says, do you have a sense for the gap between Gabby's number and Yarmo's number for a contract? Sounds like a huge gap given the public comments on either side. Uh, well, thanks for that. A reminder, I'll get to your answer in a second, Andrew. A reminder, if you have a question, step up to the queue on stage. We'll bring you in or post it here in text form. Um, it's a it's a sizable gap, quite obviously, or, or it wouldn't have come to this so far before the trade deadline. Like most, it's clear, um, and it's been clear almost three weeks before the trade deadline, that both sides really see no point in talking further. And that's saying something for a team like the Blue Jackets that are, as we've noted many times, absolutely desperate for defense. I think the offer that they've got on the table that they're waiting to, to finalize 
is a trade that they're very excited about. It's it's everything they could have hoped for in a return, uh, and maybe more, which is why they're they've got them out of the lineup right now. They don't want that that to go by the wayside. Um, further, my sense is that the the gap is with term, not necessarily money. And I don't know what the numbers are. Not privy to those conversations, but it must be more than a more than a one year gap, or it wouldn't be that big of an issue. Gabby's 26 or 27 years old, so I don't understand the reluctance to go, um, you know, long-term, 25, 26, or uh, sorry, five, six years. I, that seems reasonable to me. The other thing that I think a lot of people are going to look at when you see the numbers for Gavrikov, wherever he signs next, is people are going to, he's 27 years old, people are going to compare it to what? The Branson got last year, four years, four million, which four years, four million each, which many people have have panned and and um, lampooned as one of the worst deals in the NHL. I don't necessarily agree with that, um, but if you're willing to go four years on Good Branson, I think you'd be willing to go six years on Gavrikov. Um, but we'll see. I, I, we'll, we'll see where that falls. Um, so. Uh, Ryan C says, what are the options with Voracek next year? Would he go on LTIR? He would. Yeah. I mean, the options are he can say that he feels better and clear concussion protocols and he can play again. Um, however, if the doctors continue to advise that his next concussion could be a very scary event, then I would think he'll continue to stay on this course. I would hope he would. Um, he's played enough. He's had a great career. He's got little kids at home. Um, don't, I would, I can't imagine him extending, being so desperate to extend this career that he messes up his post playing career. So we've, we have quite possibly seen the last of Jake Voracek on the ice. I hope we haven't seen the last time as, um, as a person, cause he's one of the good guys. And I suspect he could have a role with the organization if he wanted. Um, but yes, if he's injured next year, then that eight is 8.25 uh, could come off the books once the season starts by LTIR. Um, okay, Ryan M says, what is Kent Johnson's ceiling? Well, this is a favorite topic of mine. I, I think I think this kid, is going to be a hell of a player. I think he's already a pretty damn good player. Um, he's still growing into his, into his frame. That might take a couple years. He's never going to be a big guy, but the hope is that he fills out enough to play center ice. But if you saw the, the goal that he scored last, <laughs> last night, um, just go back five seconds before that goal. He makes a pass across the slot. Uh, to Emil Bemstrom in the left circle. And that pass is as good as any pass you're going to see in, in the sport of hockey. It's an incredible look. It's one of those you don't even, as a fan, even sitting up high above, you don't see the play there until the puck is halfway across the ice. And it kind of drops your jaw. Um, Great pass. Bemstrom, to his credit, got good wood on it, just fired it wide. 
Um, There's a lot of guys that wouldn't have been ready for that buck at all. It's an incredible play. And he still, Johnson is a little unorthodox and and a a touch awkward um, because he gets pushed around a lot. And you saw him fight through some, some bodies before he put the puck on net that turned out to be the go-ahead goal. Um, smart play. He's looking for a play from the right circle. Didn't find anything he really liked, so he shot the puck through a forest of legs. Hey, kaboom. It's two to one. Uh, very quietly, 52 games. He has 12 goals and 27 points. He is fourth in the league among rookies in both goals and assists. Uh, sorry, goals and points. He's having a really good rookie year. He's so he is at 12, 15, 27, I think. Let me check that. Um, and you know, I always go as a as a good piece of perspective for people. Go back and look at Rick Nash's rookie season, 17, 22, 39. Um, yeah. Uh Johnson's 12, 15, 27. Nash was 17, 22, 39. So I think both of those, he could have a better rookie season than Rick Nash did. Um, it's If you're a Blue Jackets fan, it's a really good sign that two of the top five rookie scorers are Blue Jackets, Kirill Marchenko being the other one. That's awesome. That Those are the kind of little nuggets you need in a season like this. Um, I think Kent Johnson has top line capability as a winger or as a centerman. I think he is a a playmaker extraordinaire, and I think he's a point-of-game guy. I think he's going to top out as an 80-90 point guy, maybe more with the right line mates, but I'm curious to see if he ever moves back to the middle. I think that still is the plan if he continues to get uh, stronger. Considering the Jackets' last place spot, what is your biggest surprise of the season? Biggest surprise? Um, well, I mean, I, to me, that's a good and bad question. Biggest surprise in either direction. I think Corpus has been a really good story. This question from Steve F., by the way. I think Corpus has been a really good story. Uh, I think Kirill Marchenko has been a really good story. Um, I think Cole Sillinger has been a really not good story. As many have noted, the injuries, of course, have been absolutely devastating. Um, Chinikov's not had the year that you want. Tarasov has not had the year that you want. Merzlikens has not had the year anywhere close to the year that you want. Um, you, you needed this to be a backup or a, a bounce back year for him. And, you know, not, not there. Um, so I guess those are the things that sort of jump off. I think Liney's been a disappointment this year. I don't think he's as bad as he was two years ago, but I thought he was, I think he was a better player last year. Uh, Rostovic's been a disappointment. So there's there's been some surprises, I think, in both directions. Uh, Eric S. says, you mentioned a couple of months ago that the organization may reassess Brad Larson as head coach at the at season's end. Do you have any sense that any other non-players may not be back next season, up to and including Yarmo and J.D.? Um, I get no sense that a change is coming with JD or Yarmo. I think JD's uh, change is going to be at his leisure. I think it's his call when he's done. Um, this is his franchise. 
I don't know how much longer he wants to do it. I think he still enjoys the job most days. So I think he's at it for a while and talking to him uh, as recently as last week about Yarmo and Yarmo's 10 years. There is no sense that there's a question there that I get anyways. There's a question there about Yarmo being the right guy for the job. So I don't expect to change there. Um, I do think Larson will be reassessed. I think that is, I think that is perfectly natural and to be expected. I think it happens every year with coaches, but I think whenever you finish this close to the bottom, uh, so far below expectations, I think it's it's for sure going to happen. And I think the club's got to consider what they're going to look like next year, what kind of players they're going to have, and is this still the best coaching staff for that group of players? So, um, yeah, uh, Ryan M says. If CBJ land top two pick in this draft and get a first for Gavrikov, would it be safe to say CBJ have one of the best young groups of players in the NHL? Well, you know what? That that would be, I would refer to people who look at NHL prospects in this vein uh, year round. And we have two guys at the Athletic, uh, Corey Prominent, Scott Wheeler, who spend their days looking at prospects and, and measuring teams sort of against each other. Scott Wheeler does an exhaust. If you just had him on the podcast, uh, not too long ago, a month or so ago, I think post world juniors about, um, he spends his days with, with, uh, teams and prospects. And he just finished up an exhaustive team by team ranking of their best prospects. If you didn't see that, I would urge you to, to check it out on the athletic site. The Blue Jackets came in at number three. Pretty good. They were like 30, I think, three years ago. That's how much things have improved. And I think it's fair to say they're going to be higher than that, or at least as high next year after this coming draft, where they're going to get, obviously, at least one first-round draft pick, maybe a couple. Um, I So listening to them, yeah, they're in the ballpark is having some of the best groups of prospects in the league. Um, and I think another year of picking in the top, you know, the other teams that were with them, I think it's Minnesota was one. I don't recall who was two, uh, but unless they're picking, you know, where the blue jackets are that high in the draft or somewhere near there, it's hard for me to imagine, um, you know, that number, not, not switching up a little bit after this year's draft. So, um, Andrew N says not relevant for CBJ at the moment, but do you like the divisional playoff format or would you prefer a one V eight or one V 16 seed format? I like the conference format. Um, I, I understand, I understand the league's, um, decision to go as they've done here the last few years where teams play with, within the division first. Having said that, I don't like it. I like one versus eight. I don't think it's, I don't think it's created the great rivalries that the league anticipated. Uh, but the reason that the league went back to it, um, if anything, it's created some of the same problems that the league had before. I think back to Calgary in the eighties, having really good teams that could never get out of the first couple rounds because of Edmonton. Now, that's also the reason that the Battle of Alberta really exploded. Um, 
But get ready to hear a hue and cry from Toronto again if they lose to Tampa Bay in the first round. Uh, so Tampa Bay's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. And if you're Toronto, that's the team you end up playing in the first round. And I think they're on par to do that again, on pace to do that again this year. Um, so I, I like one versus eight. I think the, the, the best team should, should play the last team that gets in. And I, it's not like other, other uh, conference. It's not like the NBA where eight versus one is just a complete cakewalk. Um, those get, those are just complete blowouts typically. NHLs are very competitive. I think Edmonton in the year that they played Carolina may have been an eight. Maybe Carolina was an eight. Maybe I'm making all of this up, but it, it feels like eight V one has a real opportunity. Witness Columbus and Tampa Bay. So, um, yeah, I'm an eight versus one guy and I wish they'd go back to it, but you're also right that it does not have relevance for the blue jackets at the moment. Um, well, folks, listen, thanks for the questions. Again, sorry for the one-day delay, but glad we could get back together again. Uh, we'll keep uh, busting on the Gavrikov story and others, Corpusalo and others, to see if we can ferret out when a trade might go down. But but uh, nothing, as of right now, limbo still, 1.47 p.m. Eastern on Friday. We'll get back with you next week. I really appreciate the questions. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to talking to you in a week or so. All the best. Take care. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.